dysfunctional, hypersexualized, low income fights and moving from place to place were just some of the things to influence Corrine in the most important stages of her life. By the age of 19, she was stripping for money and did this for a decade. She was looking for love in all the wrong places, but eventually love found her. Hi, I'm Leilani Langdon, the host of What's Your Story, a place where we journey through the lives of others in order to inspire you, the listener, to know, own, and share your story. So make sure to lean in as you join us on today's journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What's Your Story Live. I am so excited that you are here with us tonight. Before I bring on Corinne, um, we're going to journey through her story, and I'm so excited to do that this evening. And I want you to get your hand clap emojis ready because we are going to be celebrating her and just encouraging her for sharing her story. Um, one of our Did You Know moments uh, I think it was last season, was about the brain and the idea that our brain is really good at supporting what we believe and what we tell ourselves, the stories that we create about our lives, about um, other people. And it's funny because it's similar to like the algorithm or I'll use this analogy, the car. Like, have you ever gone to get a car and you feel like you're the only one with the car? And as soon as you drive off the parking lot or the dealership parking lot, you see the car everywhere. It doesn't mean that the car didn't exist. It just means that you weren't aware of it. You weren't thinking you were putting energy in that direction. Same thing with the algorithm, right? If we know with social media, you know that if you love cat videos, and you spend most of your time consuming cat videos, guess what the algorithm is gonna give you? It's gonna give you cat videos because that's what you spend your time consuming, ingesting, and investing. And so our brains have the power and are wired to really support what you believe and the stories that you tell yourself. So if you are constantly, we talked about this before, if the story that you're telling yourself is that you're not good enough, is that you will never be enough, that no one will ever love you, that you cannot trust, right? Then then it will always, your brain will always find evidence to support that belief and omit the evidence and the truth that's opposite to that. But the beautiful thing about that is that the opposite is true. When you get to a place in your life where you say, I am ready to make some change. I am ready to shift. I'm ready to own my story. I'm ready to know my story. I'm ready to do something different with my life. Then you have the power to decide and commit to a different story. You have the power to decide and commit to writing a new story, to creating a new goal, to setting a new intention. And when you do that, your brain helps you do that. Your brain helps support that process. And so tonight, I just simply wanted to encourage you that it's important as you're on your journey towards knowing, owning, and wanting to share your story, that you are able to allow your brain to help you do those very things and that we are courageous enough to want to shift the stories that don't help us, that don't serve us and want to move into a space of purpose and of understanding and create stories, create goals, set goals, set intentions that are going to support us towards health, towards living a life on purpose and pursuing what God has called us to pursue. So without uh, further ado, I'm going to bring on Corinne. How's it going, Corinne? Hey everyone, so good to be here with you tonight. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump, we'll get started. Yeah, so I am Corrine Santinelli. I'm married to Michael Santinelli. We met in our church. Um, I go to Park Community Church uh, near North. If you guys are familiar with the city, it's where the old Cabrini Green is, if you're familiar oh, with that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, we live here in the city in the West Loop, and we have a dog named Walter. He's such a cute Aww. boy. He recently became certified and registered for pet therapy. And oh so boy had to get a job because he's not <laughs> rent free anymore. It's too expensive. He's <laughs> on maintenance. So I'm like, it's time you have a job. So he brings comfort to those in their final stages of life. And so um, we've got a super cute little happy family here just out there helping and loving and bringing comfort to people. 
I love it. I see you with the comfort. I love it. That, you know what? I was dying because immediately I thought, you're right, with this inflation, the, uh, you cannot yes, live rent free. Food prices. <laughs> Yes, it is absolutely insane. But thank you for telling us a little bit about who you are and giving us a window into your beautiful life. So tell me, uh, Corinne, what's your story? My story. All right. Y'all ready for my story? I'm excited to share because it, I, I like to say this. It's it's really God's story. Mm. And I'm just a character in it. And it truly is one of his redemption and it looks different for everyone so for me i grew up in a very dysfunctional home very hyper sexualized home there was a lot of abuse on every level Mm -hmm. and by the time i was 16 years old i was kicked out of my home and in an instant i had to figure out what i was going to do with life i'm high school dropout and I mean, this is like, I'm 16 years old. I'm a, I'm a teenager. I'm a little girl still, right? Um, but the dysfunction was so bad at home that my mom felt like, you know what? I've been doing it on my own at a young age. You can too. You figure it out. Mm. And so for three years, I was couch surfing, trying to figure out where I belong, who I want to be. And by 19, I was introduced to the sex industry. Mm, And 19 is still a very delicate stage in life, right? Like I'm trying, this is like, you're trying to figure out like your identity, you know, and your greatest influencers are those at home. And my home wasn't a great influence on me. And so all of the trauma that I endured as a child leading up to this has such an impact on my life and where I would eventually be. And so Mm. I I say like, man, you know, that really just paved the way for me to end up eventually at the strip club. So at 19 years old, my friend, I like to tease her about this. I'm like, girl, I'm going to tell everybody about you. You're (laughs) the one. She's saved now. Thank God. I'm like, you're the one that led me to that pole, girl. (laughs) call her out call her out (laughs) so um so you know so she's like you know my friend's like you know crane you don't have an education you have no other um you've never had a job like you don't know what it's like to earn money like just at a regular job like you're you're young you're beautiful you have the body you're smart like you can like just be a stripper and you don't have to go home with anybody. You don't have to do drugs. You don't have to do all the things that they do in the strip club. Just show up, dance, and make your money and go home. And at 19, I mean, although like at this point in my life, like, you know, I'm I'm living with friends. Um, I have seen a lot of violence. I've seen a lot of abuse. I experienced a lot of the abuse. I was still like nervous to do something like that you know what I mean like I was um yeah like I just I was like oh like something about it didn't feel right but she had a point like I wasn't doing anything with my life I'm a high school dropout I don't have any work experiences so like what am I going to do right like there is not much of an option for me and I can't go home back home because there's nothing there for me. It's so broken. Mm. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And so I, I, I start working at, at the club. Um, and that first year of me working was like, like a, like a boot camp training at the club that I worked in. I mean, they were very on top of, of us. Like you got to smile every time you're on stage, you have to make sure you're wearing, you know, makeup properly, your hair is always, and there was a lot of pressure on the way that you look, the way that you carry yourself, even the outfits that we would wear, the club that I worked in was considered like high class. So you have to wear these long gowns and, you know, you're spending like 600 to a thousand dollars on a gown. And back at that time, you know, it was it was different. The clubs were, were very different. And so here I am 
at 19 years old who's trying to figure out where I fit in, trying to figure out my identity and thinking about all of my past experiences, there was a part of me that said, well, this is where I belong. This is where I've been taught. I learned how to use my body at a very young age. I learned how to seduce a man at 11. I learned how to manipulate a man into giving me money at such a young age. And so for me, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm good for something. Wow. But what was interesting for me was, although this was my thought process, the other side of me was saying, well, at least now I have control over my own life. Mm. And at least that nobody is going to take advantage of me. Like everything is now on my terms. Mm. I have the power. I have the control. What I say goes. And that w- that gave me this sense of security. I know now is a false sense of security, right? So here I am working in the club and... I become very popular. I start traveling to different clubs in the city, Northwest Indiana and Chicago. And every club that I worked in, I became more popular. I would be the top showgirl. So then, I mean, my head was getting filled with, you know, so much. Like I started to become so arrogant. I lost all humility. I would walk in the club, act like I owned it. I felt just so empowered and so much in control. And I know that I was truly looking for love. I was on this journey. I just wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel secure, but I didn't really know who I was. And I thought that this was the path to lead me to this greater like sense of self. But all it was doing was affirming my my depths of like unworthiness because I thought this is all I was worth, yes. right? And so I started to attach my identity to the amount of money that I made. So the more money I made, the more beautiful I felt, the more desired I felt. And I just found a lot of significance in that. Wow. And an interesting thing about working in the club is when I was 12 years old, I had my first panic attack. Wow. And for every day for 12 years, I had some sort of anxiety attack. And I would find different ways to cope with it. If mm. it was hanging out with friends, being with my boyfriend, whatever it was. But when I worked in the club, it was like all of my anxiety, it didn't exist anymore. Really? Yeah. Wow. And and you would think like, oh, how could this happen? And I realized like, well, I was really distracted with everything else. I was distracted with feeling secure. Again, false sense of security, but I was sure. distracted with feeling empowered. I was distracted by the attention and mm-hmm. being top show girl and all of these things that really fed into my ego. And all I really wanted was I wanted pure love. Yeah. And I just didn't know how to find it. And because I grew up in such a, you know, hyper sexualized home, I associated love with sex, anything sexual. And so the more sexual uh, you can be, the more sensual, the more sexy, the more I felt like it was love. Right. And I had such a skewed right? Like such a skewed thought of like what it was and working in the club was really hard too, because I danced for a lot of married men. I danced for men who said that they were pastors at different churches Mm -hmm. and they wanted to talk to me about God, but uh, wanted to talk to me about God while I'm giving them lap dances. No. (laughs) So my heart started to become like super jaded, right? Like Mm. now I'm like, oh man, even the good guys, I can't be trusted. Every man is just bad. And I had like the worst thoughts about every man because every man that entered my mom's life, Mm. I mean, they took advantage of her. 
they abused her. And then that abuse started trickling down to me and my sisters, right? Yeah. Here's my examples of a man. Yeah. And then now I'm working in a place where we're like at age 19, you're trying to find your identity. And I'm thinking it's being found in the money and the power and all of these things. And then those same men that are meeting different men who you think are good and then Christian men and then pastors telling me their fantasies and why they're coming because their wives aren't, you know, doing whatever. And so it was crazy, you know, just absolutely crazy. And so from 19 to 24, I'm doing my own thing. I had a knowledge of God. My mom, she would have like a shrine in the house of the Virgin Mary and a candle and Bible open. Try to feel some sense of holiness. Right, right. Very picturesque. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my, that was my knowledge. And I just remember like when I was, when I was 24, I was thinking like, man, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't, do this anymore and I had a boyfriend a living boyfriend that I thought we would end up married and I realized oh to me I paid for everything he didn't work he enjoyed smoking weed playing video games while I was out there working my butt off literally working my so so I'm like I I I I go home and I I tell this this boyfriend I I say you know what by such and such date if you're not working I'm going to have to like it's over with us. Mm. And so by that date he doesn't find a job it's over with us. Okay. I'm I'm true to my word that's one thing about me if I say something I mean it and I'll do it. And so we were together for about three years wow. and I, w- I was done. So I move on. And when we break up, the anxiety starts to come back like differently. Like it was very present. It was very strong. And I said, oh gosh, like, I don't like what, what I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, and I start going to work where I was working more where anxiety didn't really surface. But then when I would go to work, it was coming. It was like, there attacks again yeah and I was like this is what's happening and so I told my mom and I I have a relationship with my mom of course throughout all this time because she's still my mom sure and I I tell my mom I said mom I'm like having anxiety like bad and I want help like I don't want to take medicine necessarily but maybe if I go to church maybe that will like Mm. Me, you know, sure. so we started going to a Catholic church, and I something about um, the mass didn't sit well with me. So sure. after the the service, I would ask the pastor or the the priest if he can explain what he shared today and show me in the Bible where it said it. But he never took the time to do that with mm. me and just kind of dismissed me. And I'm like, I need something. I feel like I need God. Like this. You know, so I go visit another church that my friend had invited me to. And it was in that church where I actually got saved. Mm. And and I remember after going for about a month, I give my heart to the Lord. So I'm 24 years old. I give my heart to the Lord. Um, But that wasn't like a total surrender for me. Mm. I was still working in the club. Now, at this point in my life, I have my own apartment. I like my mom, I've forgiven her in the best way that I, that I sure. could. Um, there's still a lot of brokenness there, you know, but those are her issues now. And I'm like an adult and trying to figure out life. And I just knew like, I can't do this with my life anymore. Mm. I had a lot of anxiety. I'm 24 years old. I make a lot of money. I hardly had any money saved. Um, I, the more it came in, the quicker, like it went out, you know? And so I'm just like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm, I can't be like 80 years old 
doing this. I need an education. <laughs> sure. I told somebody one time, like, I'm going to be like 80 years old with saggy thongs. <laughs> that is not weird. <laughs> I'm like, I need to figure this out. Yeah. So then I go to my friend's church and um, so I give my heart to the Lord. And I, well, this is what, how it happened. I said, God, if you're real, Mm -hmm. then um, heal me from this anxiety and I'll serve you the rest of my life. Mm. And it was so transactional as you can imagine, it's my whole life, right? Yes. So transactional, so naive. However, the next morning I woke up when a full day and I didn't have anxiety. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness, like did God like heal me? Did he hear me? And then I started to actually freak out that I didn't have anxiety. <laughs> so that I gave like, you anxiety? <laughs> yeah, it started to give me anxiety. I didn't have anxiety. Right. And I realized that I had truly made anxiety part of who I was, mm. part of my identity. So being like being broken up with anxiety now, I didn't even know who I was without anxiety. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I was like, oh my gosh, I need to keep going to church. So I go to church. I dive all the way in because I'm a person of my word. I dive in. I say, all right, whatever you want me to do. It was a smaller church. And so I became very close with the pastoral family and everyone I started serving. I was on the prayer team. I was teaching Sunday school. I was a youth leader. I did all these things while stripping in the club. Nobody Mm. knew. I was living this double life and message after message that I would hear, you know, can't serve two masters. You either hot or you're cold, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're stirring up your treasures here on earth, that's where we're going to be found in heaven. All these right. things, but they never really hit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Never really like in the heart. Right. And right. so I knew all these things. And for me, I was like, well, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't go home sleeping with the customers. I'm better than the rest of these strippers. Like mm. I'm top show girl. They all want me and I make the most money. So I'm not doing anything wrong, right? Like this is just a job. This is not my lifestyle. And so this is what mm. I told myself, right. you know, like what you were saying earlier, like yes. the stories you tell yourself. This is why I told myself, so I'm justifying this, right? Mm. But then if I was doing nothing wrong, why was I so ashamed to not share it with anyone? Why was I keeping it a secret? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I would go to the club and I would actually pray in the backstage. And I would actually be like, Lord, if I make $1,500 tonight, I promise to get half to the church tomorrow. (laughs) And then I would make $1,500 and I would actually give half of it to the church the next day. You know? Right. <laughs> I, I love the sincerity. I love the sincerity, right? Because it's it, it, it was where you were. It was the honest, the, your honest heart, right? Like it was, it was coming from a place of desire and honesty. It really was. And, you know, and I know that the, the pastors were probably like, who is giving this lot of money? Like, we're a small <laughs> church. I know what everybody does. You know, like, what is I'm like, <laughs> and like oh, praise the Lord. You know? Right. We will take it. <laughs> so, so, um, so fast forward at 27 years old, I eventually confessed to my pastors mm, wow. and the grace that they had like displayed to me, it was like no other because first of all, they weren't like, oh my gosh, what? They weren't like shocked. They knew that I was a private person. So they never really like asked me because I just, I had that like demeanor about myself, you know? Um, And they just were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. They gave me um, a sheet of paper that had every scripture on there of identity of who I am in Christ. Mm. And my pastor says to me, we want you to read this every day and allow Holy Spirit 
to work with you through these passages mm. and what you do next is between you and the Lord. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. That's grace. Okay. It really was grace. Oof. And talk about no condemnation at Oof. all. They were like, this is between you and God now. Wow. You know the word, right? So I did that. I did the homework. I <clears throat> read these passages. I'm 27 years old. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I was encouraged to get my GED. So I yes. got my GED. And then like, I'm like, okay, I got a plan for the future. And because I have this, uh, you know, quick money making mentality, sure, sure, I'm sure. like, oh, what am I going to do? Right? Like, so I'm like, all right. So um, I'm like, I'm going to go to school and um, get a certificate to be a massage therapist. And so that's very typical in the sex industry. We all become really? a massage therapist or you know, <laughs> hair or something. You know? <laughs> Quick money. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. And I did. I did just that. I, I went to like this, you know, it was like a two-year course and I paid for it out of pocket. And so here I am. I'm trying to, you know, I'm like moving in this direction to try to live right by God. And um, I cut my days down at the club. So I wasn't working as often. Right. And so then fast forward again, at 29 years old, I am now at this point, like, okay, God is for real. Because the part that I didn't mention is that Although I was serving God and I showed up and I was on the mm -hmm. team and I was reading my Bible and I did all those things there, I did have a doubt in my mind if God was truly real or not. Uh, there was still this uncertainty sure. and I, and part of it was probably because I compared him to a lot of earthly male examples. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, okay, there was, there was a part of me that kind of hoped God wasn't real because then I mm. felt like, oh, you know, then I won't be so disappointed if he failed me. Right. Mm, and wow. so I did the homework that my pastors encouraged me to do. And now at this point, I'm like, God is real. Like I went through this journey of studying him more. I read the Bible, like I studied it. I was reading other religions. Like why is Jesus the only way to God? You know, why not all these other religions, right? Like, yeah. and, and I learned through that journey, like, man, every religion believes in Jesus. You know, they believe he was a teacher, a leader, a prophet, sure. whatever, right? So they can't deny his existence. And so if they believe that he was a teacher, a preacher, and all these, you know, good prophet, mm -hmm. and they believe him when he said that, how come mm -hmm. they don't believe him when they said he's a son of God? Mm -hmm. And so that really made me go through this journey of really investigating. And I'm like, okay, Jesus is real. There's no doubt about it. Now I really need to allow his spirit to do the work in me, like my pastors are telling me. So yeah. So at 29 years old, I'm on the stage, and this is where it gets really good, guys. Okay, <laughs> it's been it's been great so far. <laughs> okay, this is like so mind blowing. To this day, after all these years, I can look back and I can still like fall flat on my face and praise God. So I I I'm at the strip club, and if um anyone has ever been in a club, um, the way it goes on stage, you're, you typically got to dance for two songs on the stage. The first one, you're just showing yourself, right? Like you're, you're advertising up there and you have your, your clothes on. And then the second song is now your strip tease. Okay? okay. And I share this part because I think it is significant. Sure. So I'm in my second song, and at this point, my dress is completely off, and I'm about to, um, I start to bend down to receive money from a man, and all of a sudden, the song that he's playing, I hear, like, a different song, like, playing, like, he changed the song on me, and I looked up, and I go like this to him, like, what are you doing? Now, at this point, 
I'm telling everybody in the club that I'm a Christian. Everybody knows I love Jesus now. And so, <laughs> and so like, I was taking my Bible in the backstage. Go ahead, girl. It was like, so this DJ, I'm doing this to him. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And he's giving me the thumbs up. Like, and I'm like, the song that I was hearing was a worship song. No. Yes. Stop. I literally heard mm. a worship song. And so I thought he was trying to humiliate me, you know, like yes. trying to make fun of me, all this no. stripper Christian girl, you know? Sure. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I can hear my song again that he was supposed to be, be playing. playing. Right. And then I realized, oh no, I'm actually having like this encounter with God. Like, like it was very supernatural. I'm oh like, my goodness. oh my goodness, this is like what people are talking about when they share yeah. like their stories and, you know, their faith, their testimonies. And they never really moved me, to be honest. I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. But this, I was like, oh my goodness, there was like no denying. Wow. So then you're not going to believe this. So here I am practically naked, receiving money from a man. And one of the scriptures on that sheet of paper that my pastor gave me is from 1 Corinthians 6.20. It says, you were purchased for a price, therefore honor me with your body. I'm like naked. And this is the passage that falls on my heart. Like that one. Why couldn't it be you're the apple of my eye? You're more than a conqueror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why couldn't it but he's like, you were purchased for a price, mm. therefore honor me with your wow. body. Mercy Lord. And I will tell you, like, I was so blown away because number one, that Jesus would come in the club. Like he came in there, like he was like, move out of the way, moving to darkness. Like, darkness bows down in his presence. Come on, girl. And I was like, Preach. he is here. Like, he just found me. Like, he straight up, like, hunted came me down. Yes. Like, came, like, Jesus came for me. <laughs> yes. That, like, oh. I'm coming for you. He girl, came I have goosebumps. for me. For real, for real. Wow. It was for real. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like. Lord, and I look up and I look at this man giving me money, and I love to share this part. It was a double, a double healing because remember earlier in the story I talked about how like I didn't trust any men. Yeah, all men were bad, and I was jaded. I can tell you, like it was like the veil literally, like like mm. moved from my eyes. He ripped it from my eyes, and he wanted me to see that man and see into the crowd and speak to my heart and say, "Hey." I died for you, but I also died for him. Mm. I died for him and I died for him and yes. I died for him. Like, Ooh. I love you, you know, and I, and I just can like hear the scriptures praying in my head and I can see the Bible coming alive where Jesus is interceding at the right hand of the throne for us, mm. you know, and yeah. I can see the greed and I can see that this is where I was gaining my, uh, you know, security. Like yes. this is where I was attaching myself. This Ooh. is my, where I was looking for identity. Like I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And what happened was love found me. Mm. And I was done after that i was so done i can tell you like i was healed immediately from the way i viewed men i realized man i looked at man through the lens of my pain yes i was looking at them through the lens of my wounds i was looking at them from the lens from what happened to me when i was mm. so i judged them because they came into this place Yes, they were objectifying me, but I was also objectifying them. We were using each other. None of us were, none of us were good. None of us are good, right? Yes. So I left the club. Wow. Got off the stage. I went into the locker room. I put all my gear in the locker and I shut it. And when I locked the locker, I knew in that moment, like, I'm done. Wow. And so I leave the club and I cried all the way mm. home. I didn't tell anyone in the club that I was leaving, but I just left and I just kept hearing 
you were purchased for a price, therefore honor me with your body. And I said, yes, Lord, I will honor you with my body. I will honor you with all that I am. You've given all of yourself to me. I want to give all of myself to you. I'm so sorry. And I felt the godly sorrow. I felt for the first time that I was ultimately sinning against God. And I would tell you it was so, so hard because I didn't save a lot of money. I didn't like I had a lot of bills. I had a very lavish lifestyle. Sure. Like now I'm like, what am I going to do? And I say, you know what, Lord? I now really know you as savior, but I need to know you as provider now. <laughs> yes. Like, you know <laughs> my finances. So it was a talk about like walking by faith and not by sight, like for real, for yes. real. And so I left and I never went wow. back and I shared with everyone and everyone was happy. And then some years later, the Lord speaks to my heart to go back to the strip club to minister and share the good news and the gospel. Mercy. (laughs) Wow. God's grace is amazing. It is truly amazing that he would pursue you. He would chase you. He does that for us. If we're just willing to give him the opportunity to surrender. And I love that in that moment, you were able to hear it and you listened and you leaned in to that, that God moment, right? That divine moment, that catalyst that allowed you to say, this is it. I am just blown away um, by your vulnerability and your courage to share. But tell me, you know, Kareen, what has that led you to do? Because you said a few late, a few years later, God laid something on your heart. So what has that story, what has this healing journey and this God journey um, led you to do? What has it led you to yeah. build? So I fell in love with the way that God loves me. And there was this point where I stopped focusing on searching for love and trying to love God. And I, because I realized how diluted my love is. And whenever I fell short, I was feeling ashamed to come before the throne. And so the Lord really shifted um, our relationship, the way that I viewed it. So I truly began to just focus on his love toward me. And when I, when I was, when he was like showing me this and we were in this new love, holy love affair with one another, he was putting in my heart, like, you're not done. Like, like your past, like, we're going to laugh about it together in the face of hell, you know? And so I felt like him and I just had this unique um, approach to ministry and, and the past and using my past you know, for his glory, because truly like whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. Right. And so a couple years later, as I was growing and maturing in understanding that God truly does love me and, and my identity truly is in him. And now at this point, I'm like solid, like you could not tell me anything, right? Like, <laughs> for me whom Jesus loves. Like, yes. I am not conceited. I am confident. Like, I know my identity now, okay? Like, you cannot move me. I don't care if you don't like me, the way I talk, the way I smell. But sure. My identity is in him and not in the opinion of man. My identity mm. is not in what happened to me in the past. Like, my identity is in Christ and Christ. Yes. So... He literally like put it in my lap. I was online looking for um, just different ways to serve like in the sex exploitation world. Sure. And I saw that there was a live training through this um, network called Strip Church. And they were going to be here in Chicago. So my friend and I went to this um, Strip Church training. And in that training, it was a two-day training, I knew that God was calling me to build a ministry from the ground up to do strip club outreach. And yeah, so that was, this was in uh, 2015 and I went back um, to, to my church and I shared the good news that this is what God wanted me to do. And I know my leaders were a little nervous. (laughs) I was about to say, how did they take that? (laughs) 
nervous. You know, they had never heard of anything like that. And, you know, I I think the the topic sex in general is just very taboo Taboo. in churches, right? And so um, here I am. I'm like, I know that this is what the Lord wants. Like, the way that he like stormed in through those doors, he wants me to storm in those doors. We mm. raise up bold believers. Like, yes, we're going to do this together. Like, so I get to experience like the heart of Jesus going mm. into clubs, like what he did for me. And I feel like it's just his like sweet way of yes. allowing me to experience his heart in it. So, yeah, so we started, so I raised up a team. And so here we are um, seven years later. Um, Over the past six years, we going to the same four strip clubs, um, same uh, four strip clubs, building relationships. Um, At the time, uh, up until recently, I had three uh, self-supporting teams to uh, manage each of the clubs. And... um, yeah. And so now we are actually working into going to a new club and what we do. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So I feel like I'm saying a lot. I get so excited. Um, no, go for it. I, yes. Tell, tell us. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, right now, so in the past six years, cause it took mm-hmm. us almost a year to like develop everything, but the past six years, uh, we were in the same three clubs. Okay. Um, one club had dropped off early on with outreach. Um, but we're in the same, uh, three clubs. And then up until recently, um, the door, sh- the, the mission, I should say that the Lord had us in these two particular clubs yes. have been fulfilled. And so mm-hmm. it, we know that it was the Lord preparing us for what we are about to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the clubs, um, we're still going, we're showing up. I got a team of three that goes there faithfully every month. And we are right now in the process to, of building a new outreach team to go into a new club in the city. So this mm-hmm. is a super exciting time for the ministry. Um, it's almost like we're starting all over, over again. Yes, absolutely. What, what we do is we go in the club and we come in with care packages for the women. And in the care packages, we have words of affirmation and we have scripture. And before those words of affirmation get put into the bags, we make sure that whoever is writing them, that they are praying that it has to be Holy Spirit led because when we are in the clubs with them, it's a short amount of time. And if we don't have the opportunity to pray for them or have, you know, a God conversation and it's with this level, when we leave, we know they're reading those cards and that Holy Spirit will penetrate their hearts, right? And we see like, God is so wonderful in how he leads our team because mm-hmm. the stories that we hear from the girls, um, like when we go back the next month, like, oh my gosh, how did you know that I needed to hear that? Like, I'm actually going through something like this. And I just felt like, wow, like God is really real. You know, mm-hmm. um, they'll put the words of affirmation in their lockers and oh they go to work goodness. and they read them. Um, we have girls that leave them in their car. So they, before they go in the club, they read it and go in the, the, in the club. And then, um, we had, I mean, there's a lot of stories. Like it's pretty amazing. They do welcome us. Cause I know people have questions. Like they do welcome us, um, with big open arms. Um, they do know that we are Jesus followers. We're very specific because God is used so loosely these days. So we'd let them know we are, Christ followers, and we want to spread the love of Jesus in these clubs. We are not encouraging the girls to leave or, mm. um, you know, discourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not doing any of that because we don't have a rescue mentality. Only Jesus can do that. Because if, you know, if I can convince <laughs> yes. you, if I can convince you to yes. leave, someone yes. at some point can convince you to go right back. There needs to be conviction, and that only yes. comes from his spirit. So it's so important that these words of affirmation and that we write, that they are led by his spirit. And I mean, we go in there. Sometimes we're sharing Bible stories with the girls. I had one girl um, come up to me and wanted to hear about more about Jesus. And I shared with her and um, she's like, hold on, hold that thought. She went in the backstage, brought 11 girls with Oh my her. gosh. 11. <laughs> we all sat down at a table and we were 
tribal stories. It was just wow. So we go in there. So I so the Lord has used my life, my past, um, what the enemy meant for evil, and mm. truly turn it around for His wow. good. And He really will take the foolish things of this world to shame the wise because. Early on, I people doubted that we were going to be fruitful. I actually was told by another ministry leader who does this kind of um, outreach in a different state, mm-hmm. uh, sent me a message to not do it, completely discouraged me, told me that I use the word Jesus too much. You sound like so religious. I totally wow. shut me down. And I said, hey, you know what? I understand your concerns and you probably coming from a protective place. Sure. I said, how, cause I actually reached out to her for a mentorship. Sure. Completely shut me down. And I said, and I responded, say, you know what? Cause I know the Lord has called me to do this. Whatever feelings you have about me doing this, you can take that before the Lord thinks, thank you anyway, you know? And <laughs> yes. here we are seven years later. We're known all over. It's very fruitful, like in your face, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I absolutely love it. And you know what it is? uh, First of all, can I just say that I loved that um, clap back response? Okay. (laughs) It's like, Jesus told me to do this. So if you have a problem with that, you can take it up with him. Okay. Thank you very much. Exactly. I need to I need to write that one down. I need to write that one down. But you know it's 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 amazing because Kareen, you can just just listening to your story and hearing you talk and hearing you light up, it is just um it is so evident how God has transformed your life and he's he's given you a, a new identity and he's given you purpose and he's allowed you to walk in that and as a result of that I know, you know, what you said, your ministry is succeeding because Christ is in it, because your light, his light is shining through you as you reach uh, to these women. And I, I mean, I can't be more excited for you and for what's next and this new opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, we're super excited. We're building a new team. You know, we need volunteers and we're going to do a whole training process again. It's a really exciting time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just want to let you know that we are definitely going to be praying for you. And I'm just so grateful for your courage and your vulnerability and for really just allowing us to see a glimpse of how God has transformed you. Um, and I am I know that someone uh, his, who's listening is able to resonate with so much of what you said, right, mm-hmm. and is able to to to. I'm hoping and I'm praying that somebody is able to say, wow, I've been looking at this experience through the lens of pain, right? I've been looking Mm -hmm. at this instead of looking at it the way that Jesus would look at it. Or I see Mm -hmm. myself in a way that Jesus wouldn't see me or never said that I am, but I am because I am his and in him, I can do all things. And so I'm just so grateful to you. Um, We want to know how can we support your ministry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and where can we find you so we can continue to, to connect with you and grow? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, definitely a prayer. And I'm not <clears throat> just saying that to sound holy. I really mean that anybody on my team will tell you that we do not do anything before we pray first. We want to be spirit led with everything. So if you have a word from the Lord for us, um, for me to encourage me, like I would welcome that very much. Um, so definitely, please, please pray. It's a beautiful gift that you can give to me and my team. Um, Secondly, um, we are always looking for people that want to write words of affirmation for, for us to put into the, to put in the bags. Um, And so we would love that as well. If you want to sponsor a club one month um, gift bags, we spend anywhere between five to $10 on gift bags um the wow. the limit is up to the person but the, the gift bag is just a token of like a gesture right like sure this is we're giving this no strings attached right um what what's most important are those words of affirmation mm. um and so if you ever sponsor a club you you can reach out to me and um we can set it up and you know you can have something to do with that um, but also we, um, since we're starting a new, um, club in the club, city, yeah. if you are in the city, you can come join us physically and come pray with us once a month. Mm. 
and have that experience with us. And um, if you want to be part of Beulah in that way, we would love that. Um, and another, I'm just going to throw this out there, but if you are good with social media stuff, I could really <laughs> use some help there. <laughs> hey, listen, ask and you shall receive. Yes, so please, like, I need help posting. I am, like, terrible at this stuff. So, <laughs> and, and we need it. Like, I understand yes. the, the power of social yes. media. And as a ministry, um, it's our way to keep people updated with what we're doing. doing. And yeah, so those are some ways that you can um, support us. You can also go to our, our website if you like to make a financial donation. donation. 100%. This is a non-for-profit. So mm. you can write it off. 100% of it goes into the ministry. Nobody gets paid <laughs> doing anything. It's all volunteer wow. work. Wow. Um, the money, we use it for, for women who transition out of the club if they need help with bills sure. that we can provide for them um yeah it's been it's been a blessing like i just yeah so you can go to our website or instagram yes. you can reach out to me directly you know through those channels i will be the one responding okay. so i'd love to um chat with you Amazing. Um, man, I am so excited to continue this journey and and just kind of watch how God continues to move, right? Because now you're part of the What's Your Story community and family. And so we'll be supporting and rooting and praying for you and this ministry. And again, Kareen, just thank you so much for your vulnerability, your transparency. Um, I know that God is going to do some amazing things because he already has. And God is not, God will not settle for <laughs> <laughs> for small, for small. He's he's into doing big things. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you for next week's episode. If you were inspired by today's story, make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. To watch the full live show, head over to Leilani Langdon on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours?